You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, January 9, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris, my main man, Justice Jones. Justin Jones. I'm, I tell you what, <laughs> I'm running behind this morning and it shows Justin Jones right there on the other side of the glass. And uh, he's taking your phone calls on the first and main condominiums hotline in this hour, the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in hour number two. And uh, we got a good show on tap for you today and we will, uh, We'll run it all down for you. Of course, uh, Michigan, the national champion. The Wolverines earned it. and No no denying that. But uh, before we get to that, I do want to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show is always being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. You need to find out the advantages for yourself because there are plenty of them. I mean plenty of them. Go to alabamacu.com to learn more. Just simply get by and see them at one of their many great locations around the state of Alabama, including a number of locations right here in Tuscaloosa and West Alabama. That's Alabama Credit Union, Alabama com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, coming up at 9.30, it's the Rocket Man, Drudy Arman, co-host of Talking Ball on 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. He joins us on Tuesdays to talk some ball right here. We'll talk national championship, Bama football, Bama basketball, and more. Then at 10.15, Kayla Anderson for the final Tennessee Titans report of the uh, season as the Titans went out on a good note, knocking off the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday in Nashville and knocking tennis or knocking Jacksonville out of the playoffs. So uh, kept them from going as the uh, AFC South champion and made a way for the Tennessee Titans uh, to have a good ending to the season and put the Houston Texans not only in the playoffs, but in as the division champion. So I'm sure D'Amico Ryans appreciates that. We'll talk uh, Derek Henry's future and more with Kayla at 1015. As I said, your phone calls are welcome on the First and Main Condominiums hotline. First and Main Condominiums, luxury condominiums in a beautiful historic downtown Northport, 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904. Would love to hear from... You folks, there's a lot of topics that are making news this morning. Uh, college football season is officially over for 2023, but my gosh, there is so much going on and so much to talk about, and uh, we will do it here this morning. So, Justin, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the national championship game. You know, I picked Washington. Well, I don't even know if I actually picked them on the air, but that's who I picked. If I didn't say it on the air, that's who I thought would win the game. And probably wishful thinking. I, you know, I made it clear that I'm not a Harbaugh fan. I think he's a terrific coach. I just don't care for the guy. Although he has been a little more personable this week, uh, out in Houston than he was out in uh, Los Angeles and Pasadena. Uh, but my, all you really need to think about when you pick that game, if you look back on, you know, hindsight's 2020, but if you're good enough to beat Alabama, you're going to be good enough to be Washington. I'm sorry. And that's not a knock on Washington. Ten straight wins, ten points or less. Penix had a terrific year. But um, they were outmatched last night. 
There's no doubt. Give them credit. They hung in there. They were only down 17-10 at half, much like Alabama hung in in the first half against Michigan. It felt like that Michigan should have had that game wrapped up at halftime, but uh, Washington hung a while, hung around for a while. But I guess the thing that stood out to me, in addition to Pinnock struggling against that really good Michigan defense, I, I think it is definitely safe to say the Michigan defense is the best in the country, and it's not close. But in addition to Pinnock struggling was just how, I don't know, the, 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 the Washington defense, how slow as a unit, it looked how, how slow their players looked against Michigan, which I don't consider Michigan to be the fastest offense in the country. But when those backs broke through contain, those DBs and linebackers didn't even look like they could stay on the same page with them. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised at, and it, you know, wind up being a 34 13 game, and that's probably what it deserved to be. Although Washington had some chances, but I guess I'm just surprised that I thought. Watching the game last night, because I didn't see it against Texas. In fact, I thought Washington should have been able to pull away and win that game comfortably. And Texas beat Alabama. Texas is a team that's got a lot of talent. But I thought I saw a talent gap last night. I, I You don't you don't agree with that? I thought Michigan looked like a clearly a more talented team. No, I, I partially agree. I, I, think, I think it was a talent gap in the sense that Clearly, Michigan had the better players. I don't think they were dominated so much if there was a talent gap. Uh, and to the cr- defense's credit as well, it was a lot of similarities to the Alabama game. They were slow in the first half, and then they came out in the third quarter and kind of stunned Michigan. It was just that, like you said, Michael Penick struggled, and what we thought was going to be the best part of that Washington team was their offense. They did not. Yeah, Penix had a tough night, and you deserve, uh, or Michigan deserves credit for that. And I think Dylan Johnson being slowed hurt him, too. He was not even close to what he was before the injury against Texas. I, you know, watching him try to labor through that, I'm guessing maybe he was, I don't know, 70, 75% at best. But, um, I don't know. You know, when you, when you, you know, of course, listen, when you get, like I said, when you get to this level, somebody's going to be disappointed. Only one team's going to raise the trophy. I'm, I'm, you know, I, there's a little bit of regret now that Alabama could have beaten Michigan. And, um, I think if Alabama's in that game last night, they won the national championship, just like Michigan did. And, and, you know, cause I thought if Alabama was able to get past Michigan, I thought Washington was a better matchup for Alabama than Texas. I just don't think Alabama matches up well with Texas for whatever reason. Now, I know that, you know, probably a lot of that's based on the one game they played here back in September, and maybe it would have been different. But if Alabama had gotten past Michigan, I think uh, I think Saban and company last night would have been hoisting that national championship trophy, his seventh at Alabama, his eighth overall. And, uh, you know, we'd be going into this offseason with Alabama thinking, my gosh, you know, they're back, you know, all the way. But, um I, you know, there's some things, though, too, and, and we're going to get to some headlines here in a moment and other news, of course, with Kevin Steele and so forth. But, Justin, I guess that – and, again, I heard Barry and Wimp talking about social media, you know, and they're right. Anybody can spew anything that they want to spew. You don't need any facts. You don't need any – you don't need any, you know, clarification. You just go out and say what you want to say. But I am disappointed in – as soon as Alabama lost a game, even though they lost in overtime to the national champion, and Michigan's a great team, it's almost like people just kind of sat on their hands and waited for Alabama to lose a game so the Milrow bastards could come back out. It's really, I'm just saying this is my opinion, and you know, no worth any more than yours, but it's really disappointing to me <laughs> that the guy led this team to the SEC championship. 9 and 0 in the conference and gets them into the college football playoff 
and struggled some against a really good defense, the same defense that Michael Penix struggled against last night. And now I'm seeing, well, I've always got to find a quarterback. Oh, you can't win it. You can't win a championship with a real row. Oh, you know, he's limited. Oh, you know, he's this, he's that. And I'm like, really? Seriously? We got to deal with that again? You can win a championship with Milroy. He just won one. It's called the SEC Championship. It's one of the hardest championships in football to win. I think, too, Gary, it was frustrating, like you just said. You could easily have seen Alabama in that game last night, and it would have been a, would have been a different game, but it would have been a good game nonetheless. And I think Alabama wins. But, of course, with Michigan winning and kind of dominating Washington throughout the game, on top of the Jalen Milrow haters, a whole wave of – disillusioned Georgia and FSU fans are back out on the interwebs as well who think they might have had some claim. That's ridiculousness also. Well, Georgia, you listen. A lot of years you'd have gotten in. You know, two years ago, the same scenario. You lost to Alabama in the SEC Championship game. You got in, okay? Alabama's gotten in without winning the SEC Championship. But this year, you weren't going to get in if you lost that game. You just weren't, okay? And as far as Florida State is concerned, as I said at the time, both can be true. You know, you could be sick for Florida State that they went 13-0 and didn't get in. And you can also um, face the reality that they weren't the same team. So, and I don't think anybody can question Alabama getting in when you look at how good Michigan is and how Alabama played them to overtime. Listen, I mean, Alabama could have won that game, and they didn't. I get it. And that's why Michigan's a national champion. That's why they're 15-0. They're a fabulous football team. But Alabama had opportunities in that fourth quarter to distance themselves from Michigan and they and they couldn't do it and they let Michigan stay within a score and it cost them and even at the end it could have easily been a double overtime game you don't know what's going to happen there so I don't have any uh hesitation at all that saying Alabama deserved its spot you go nine and zero in this league you beat Georgia you're you go in over Georgia that's the way it works and you go in over Florida State without their quarterback and I think that Alabama proved, based on what Michigan did last night to Washington, that Alabama was, based on the results that we have, probably the second-best team in that playoff. Texas lost to Washington. Washington got hammered by Michigan. Alabama took Michigan to overtime. So I don't think Alabama has to justify anything. Now, you know, we'll have a 12-team playoff this year, so hopefully for the most part, all of that chatter will be Simmer down and go by the wayside. And I'm sure there'll be some teams in next year that are, don't get in next year. They'll be saying we should have gotten in. But at the same time, I think 12 teams, for the most part, is going to get everybody in that deserves to be in. This year, if you'd had a 12-team playoff, all these teams would have been in. Uh, we could have had a 12-team playoff. Some conferences, including the ACC, blocked that. And uh, before we get to the break, for Jim Harbaugh and Justin, I, I believe, based on what I've read that's all I can go on based on what I've read, listening to him talk. I don't have, you know, other than Reiner Saban, who I talk to from time to time. I don't have any sources up there per se in Ann Arbor. But I think this is a great way for Jim Harbaugh to go out because I think he's going to be in the NFL next year. I think he's coached his last game at Michigan. Just my opinion. Uh, but if you're going to go out, go out that way because, again, it wasn't that long ago, the COVID season, when there were a lot of Michigan people were saying, get rid of Jim Harbaugh. You know, a lot of people didn't know if he was going to make it as the coach. And all he's done since then is win three Big Ten championships, beat Ohio State three times, go to three college football playoffs, and win a national championship. So 
And I think Michigan will take a step back next year. But again, it's it's such a fluid deal. Who's you know, if you want to say that Al, the Georgia's overtaken Alabama, now you might you have to say that Michigan's overtaken Alabama for the moment. You'd have to say that. I mean, they beat them in the playoff. You know, but that's how close it is at the top. When you're talking about the the, the marquee teams, a lot of it's just based on the last game. You know, if you want to play that game, then Alabama's overtaking Georgia. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Georgia people wanted to play that game. Well, then Alabama's back on top because they just beat you. And they beat you in the SEC championship game. Got to beat them when you play them. You know, again, I, I wish Alabama had beaten Michigan last Monday night, but they didn't. So right now, Michigan's on top. And that's the clear hierarchy. For this season, Michigan earned it. They're, they're a notch above everybody. Right now, in my way of thinking, based on all the criteria that everybody uses, Alabama's on top of Georgia right now. Like it or not. Well, and, and to that point, the last AP poll of the season comes out, and they rank Georgia number four over Alabama number five. So the the AP voters must think the same thing. Oh, the poll's already out? It just came out, yep. So the same top four as we saw is Michigan, Washington, Texas. They put Georgia over us, Alabama five, FSU six. That's a joke. That is a complete. That is a complete joke to me. I mean, who really cares? But it's like, really? <laughs> Alabama beat Georgia. Alabama took Michigan to overtime. So they've got Texas at three. Texas at, at three, and apologies, but Oregon and Florida State, they have at six, like like tied. So two <laughs> sixes. Wow. That is, uh, well, to make a lot of Georgia fans and Texas fans and Washington fans, I guess, feel better about themselves. I, I get I, that, that that that's a clear shot at Alabama from the AP voters. Um, Put it on the wall. Put it on the wall yeah. for next year. That is a clear, clear. Um, that's a clear shot at Alabama. Man, it really is. You go nine and zero in the league. You play Michigan to overtime. You beat Georgia head up, and they vote Georgia ahead of. I'm glad you went ahead and. I got to pull that up for myself. That's, 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 that is just horse manure to me right there. How you could put, uh, how you could put Georgia ahead of Alabama. Um, it'd be one thing, I guess, if they hadn't just played head up and, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. You either, for Alabama, you either win the national championship or you don't. Uh, they won the SEC title. Uh, Saban's got nine of those. I think those are very important. I think those are big, big, big mantle pieces and uh congratulations to alabama for winning the sec championship georgia didn't win anything that's you know they might have finished fourth in the ap poll but they didn't win anything all right it's uh not a division title i guess 918 we'll take a break uh, we'll come back hit up some headlines we'll have judy Armand coming up at the bottom of the hour 9 30 gary harris justin jones interesting tuesday morning following the national championship game and uh, we'll be back with more right after this this season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. <laughs> 
from the University of Alabama. This is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama women's basketball picked up a strong victory on Sunday at Missouri. Head coach Christy Curry joined us on the radio after the win. Just so proud of our team. You know, a huge bounce back response. Uh, showed a lot of toughness today to come into a great environment with a huge crowd and you know, to uh, respond the way we did and to be tied at half and come back out and get some stops and get off to a good start. I thought we got off to a, bo- a good start to the beginning of the third and the beginning of the first. We really saw that uh, starting with Sarah Ashley Barker, Red Hunt, knocking down her first six shots of this game. Just, I mean, toughness, just a will to win, and I thought it fed to everybody else. Um, unbelievable effort by her today, and uh, I thought Aaliyah, Jess, just our entire team, you know, we had a lot of people step up at critical times and, you know, make some stops. Big play by Carly there down the stretch, too. I mean, unbelievable effort by our entire team today, so I'm really proud of them. Well, you know, it's been an interesting day, I think, across our league. A lot of folks that had adversity or had success, maybe it went the other way today. So it's going to be a will, you know, a will to win in Athens on Thursday. And I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship-quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us on Thursday for Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, streaming live on all CTSN social media platforms at 2 p.m. Central. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Hi, I'm Marty. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Rain ending this morning, cloudy, windy, and colder with temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s today. A clearing sky tonight below 32. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 48. And Thursday, the sky partially sunny, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 9.22. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get to Jim here in just a second out on the uh, First of Mankato's hotline. Don't have time to, this morning to do full headlines because I talked so much in the first segment, but I do want to touch on some topics real quickly before, uh, in addition to the national championship game, Michigan 34, Washington 13. Uh, according to ESPN's Chris Lowe, Alabama's veteran defensive coordinator Kevin Steele plans to retire from coaching. Steele, who just finished his third stint under Nick Saban, turned 66 in March and just completed his 40th year in coaching, including 13 years in the SEC. I've uh, gotten to know him a little bit uh, in his time here in Tuscaloosa, three different stints. Uh, class act, uh, great football coach, credit to the profession, and uh, wish Coach Steele well. Of course, that means that uh, Nick Saban will be looking for a defensive coordinator. Of course, he's got uh, Traveris Robinson right on his staff, who might be a candidate. Uh, Alabama linebacker Kendrick Blackshire, Blackshire has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Good special teams player, uh, and really, I think, a physical linebacker. Uh, three years here in Tuscaloosa, so he gave it a pretty good go. 25 tackles. Uh, forced to fumble this past season and recovered against Middle Tennessee. I think he'll go somewhere and be a good player. A third player from Alabama football secondary going into the NFL draft. Jalen Key making that announcement 
yesterday. And also last night, uh, Justin Brookwood introduced Chris Foster as its new head football coach. Foster and his wife were Brookwood High School graduates. He played football for the Panthers and later served as their offensive coordinator. He's been the head coach at Priceville High School uh, near Decatur the last few years and has had a really, really good uh, uh, record up there at uh, Priceville. So sounds like Brookwood, not only are they getting one of their own, but they're getting a, a good football coach as well. Uh, Bama basketball tonight, 6 o'clock against South Carolina over at Coleman Coliseum. As we talked about yesterday, Tiger Woods splitting with Nike after 27 years. All right, let's jump out on the first of Main Condos hotline and talk to Jim. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for holding. Hey, I, I, I don't really have a problem with Georgia being ahead of Alabama. Alabama does have two losses. I mean, at some point, you have to, you know. Yeah, you got, you got two losses because you made it to the playoff and you beat Georgia. That's why. I mean, I, again, I, listen, it's no big yeah. deal. You're right about that, Jim. But that's why you've got two losses because you played, you got it to the playoff and they didn't. So you beat them head up. So yeah. you're right. If the results on the field matter, then it matters that Alabama beat Georgia to me. But I wouldn't have voted them that way, yeah. but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. And what Georgia did to abolish, you know, Florida State, you know, he, you know, and, uh, so, I mean, uh, uh, Northridge I mean, High know. School would have demolished Florida State with that roster. Okay, let's be clear on that. That that, yeah. that they played with, they were playing with thirteen players for for a big part. But but point yeah, taken. But, listen, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they took care of business. They should have, but they did. I mean, if you'd have been a different case, they squeaked it out. But they did. They did handle them like they Hey, I feel a lot better about Milrow last night because. I'm just be honest. That's the last week's game. I was thinking, like, okay, he went backwards. I mean, just like, is he really? Did he, I mean, you know, like, like he played first of the season. But they, the way they made Penix look like look, last night just made me think it was just you know Michigan's defense. You know, it was just that good. They're good. Know? They're real good. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes me feel better. I mean, because like you know, they, like I say, he had no Bill Rowe had no timing. You just saw that. You know, I mean. So, you know, that gives me hope for next year. Right. He, he, he did truly improve, you know, and he'll be better next year. So, all right, that's all I wanted to play. All right, Jim, good to hear from you as always, my friend. And uh, you're right. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a deal where, you know, I think anybody's going to be crying over Alabama finishing fifth. It's still a top five finish. I'm just saying I would have voted Alabama ahead of Georgia myself. I, in fact, I'd have put Alabama ahead of Texas. I mean, just just being honest with you, I would put Alabama third because of the way that Alabama played Michigan based on how Washington played Michigan and the fact that Washington beat Texas. I would have gone Michigan, Washington, Alabama, Texas, Georgia. That would have been my top five. But I don't, you know, and what if I, you know, if I'm going to complain about it, I probably should have done more during my career to become a voter. You know, I've never really, uh, people have asked me, do I vote for the Heisman? You know, I've never really pursued any of that type of stuff, Justin. I probably should have. You know, I probably, you know, probably could have been an AP voter. And then I would have actually had a say-so on it. So I'm going to complain. I uh, probably should have done more to try to become a voter. All right, let's jump out on the uh, First Domain Condos hotline and talk to Ground Chuck. Hey, Ground Chuck. Hey, Gary. This is just a perfect example of the double standard they put against Alabama. All season I heard that Alabama couldn't jump Texas because Texas beat Alabama. Yep, that's everybody field. said. And that's mm-hmm. all that matters. And now when it's a... Opposite, it doesn't matter. That's all I got to say. Well, it's a fair point because, uh, <laughs> you know, that is all we heard. And now I know, I know what they'll say now, just like what Jim just said. A lot of the people that, that say Georgia should be ahead of Alabama, they'll say, well, Alabama had two losses. Yeah, because Alabama went to the playoff and Georgia got to play a Florida State team that had, uh, you know, had me out there. So, um, 
you know, but it is what it is. Like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if you're if you're Nick Saban. He doesn't care uh, whether probably they finish third, fourth, or fifth. He just, you know, he's proud of his team for winning the SEC championship, uh, an accomplishment that I continue to say means a lot more. Uh, it should mean a lot more than it's getting credit for. And uh, they beat Georgia, and, you know, they'll live with that. And they'll go into next year trying to, uh, you know, win it all like they do every year around here. All right, lost ground, Chuck, but that's okay. Good timing because we need to get the break anyway uh, because we're due to come back with uh, my main man, Drew Arm. Before we do, though, I want to continue to remind you about this month at the YMCA. No joining fee. So just simply join, start your monthly membership, and you're good to go. That runs through January 31st. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa, 2313th Street, beautiful facility, brand-new cardio equipment, state-of-the-art Right downtown, easy access, plenty of parking, just a great, great place to work out. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa, no joining fee in the month of January. We'll be back with Drudy Armin from uh, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. The Rocket Man next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. For more from Tide 100.9, let's it fly! And it. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Yes, it's time for the Rocket Man, Rudy Arman, co-host with Scott Tyson of Talking Ball, weekday morning 7 to 9 on 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Tider Insider contributor and uh, with us on Tuesday mornings to talk some ball right here on the program. And gosh knows we got a lot to talk this morning, that is for sure. No shortage of topics. Good morning, Drew. Morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well, my friend. Uh, 15 and 0, Michigan 34 13 over Washington. They earned this national championship. And I had said on the radio this morning, maybe it was wishful thinking because I was pulling for Washington, but I picked Washington to win the game. Uh, in hindsight, it seems foolish because if you're good enough to beat Alabama, you should be good enough to beat Washington. And, and Michigan certainly was. Uh, I don't know if dominated is uh, too strong a term, but, but they controlled that football game. Michigan was clearly the better team last night. And, and I was a little surprised. Um, with how they slowed down Penix. And I was also a little surprised with how slow Washington's defense looked against a Michigan offense that is somewhat explosive, but uh, they looked, uh, they just looked better in all areas to me last night. Your takeaways from the national championship game. Uh, it's a line of scrimmage game. It's why I picked, you know, uh, Michigan to win the game. I, I picked it in a, only a 27, 24 type score. I thought Penix would, and the Washington offense would make a few more plays and they had a chance to, and, it was, I wasn't far off early in the fourth quarter. It was 20 to 13. And, uh, you know, the reason Washington stayed in, in the game is because they were really good on third down defensively. Uh, right. Michigan is not an explosive passing team. They only throw about 20 passes a game. But again, they ran for 303 yards. They made explosive runs. Uh, they wore down Washington in the fourth quarter. Corum did a great job. Uh, early Edwards did a great job. And he really hadn't had a big year, but he had probably his best game of the year at the best time. But I just thought Michigan, even without Zach Zenter, I thought after what I saw against Alabama, and the thing that resonates with me is Alabama was the second-best team in the country. The AP poll voters are idiots. I mean, anybody that votes, uh, you know, Georgia ahead of Alabama is a moron who should have your voting privileges revoked. You should not have voting privileges if you are that stupid. Yes, I will say that on this show. But anyway, I, I just say that, you know, overall, the thing that stood out to me was Michigan's discipline defensively 
And in both games against Alabama and Washington, they did a tremendous job of taking away the vertical passing game. Uh, their, their, their tackling in space was really, really good. And they were faster and better than I thought on defense. I knew they were really good, Gary, but they were the best defense in the country. They were the best defense I saw all year. Uh, I think Alabama's was probably second. I think Alabama would have wiped the floor with Washington, but that it's neither here nor there. The national championship game was played in Pasadena, and we've seen that play, that happen a lot where a semifinal is better than finals. It happened a year ago when Ohio State and Georgia played. Yeah, and I'm with you on the AP voting. I said already, I, you know, of course, if I'm going to complain, I should have tried more diligently to be a voter, but I would have gone uh, Michigan 1, Washington 2, Alabama 3, Texas 4, Georgia 5. But it doesn't really matter what I think, and I don't, you know, I doubt very seriously Nick Saban's too worked up about it, but I'm with you on putting Georgia ahead of Alabama. It's just a, it's a shot. It's one more shot by the voters at the Crimson Tide, Drew. You know what it is. It, it's, 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 it's a shot laid across the bow at Alabama. Somehow Alabama didn't deserve to beat. I think Alabama upset the apple cart so much by beating Georgia. There's a lot of people, quite frankly, that are ticked off about it, Drew, for some reason. I don't know why, but they are. Gary, Georgia's one and eight in their last night against Alabama. <laughs> Kirby's one and five. There's no fluke involved. The only fluke was Alabama had two ACL injuries, so they didn't whip their ass again. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, as far as Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are concerned, um, as I said, I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but I think he's a terrific coach. I mean, his, his resume tells you everywhere he's been, he's been a winner. Um, you know, San Diego at Stanford with the 49ers, uh, now at Michigan. And uh, to win it all, go 15-0, and 0, uh, do you think this is his last game as the Michigan head coach? Do you think he moves back to the NFL? No, I think he's going to stay. I, I'm going to stick to what I said. I said all week that if Harbaugh won this game, that they would make it very difficult for him to leave. He has basically a job for life. Uh, Lloyd Carr did once he did this in 97. And I think that, that Jim will, Coach Harbaugh. Now, there's others that believe he'll move on now because he climbed the mountain. Uh, I was of the opposite. I thought if he got him to this zenith, uh, that he would, uh, and then fell short that he would move on and he would go to the NFL because sanctions are coming. But now he's proven he can get him to the top. I think he'll, they'll pay him whatever they, 12 million a year, whatever it is. And they'll want him to stay to, to uh, navigate these sanctions. I don't even think they'll probably be as severe as people thought just simply because the NCAA didn't have any teeth. But there's going to be something that comes down, but I think they're going to want him to stay there and navigate it. Uh, they'll navigate it quicker with him in place. Uh, certainly, I think he will, um, you know, listen to the Raiders or uh, the the, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. If I were Jim, I would go to the Chargers because you have a quarterback in Justin Herbert. You have a very talented defense, a very talented roster. You've got Austin Eckler who you could bring back. You've got a team that can win quickly. Uh, I, I would not go to the Chicago Bears. Uh, I think the Bears is just a, I don't know what it is about that franchise, but I just, I don't think it'd be uh, viable. And, and, and then I, I look at the track record of Mark Davis, Al Davis's son. It's not great. So if the Spanos family will get off their wallets and pay him the $15 million a year, then he might go to the Los Angeles Chargers. But personally, I think he'll stay at Michigan um, and at least try to continue on this path of retirement.
return in this program to consistent dominance. It, would, would he at, at some point in time go back to the NFL potentially? But I just think that the folks in Ann Arbor, and I know they cut his pay a few years ago, because three years ago he was on the hot seat because he couldn't beat Ohio State, but this makes up that trumps all of it. He's a Michigan man to the core, and it's a very it's a program that's like North Carolina and Duke basketball. They want one of their own running it, and I think they're going to make it very difficult for Harbaugh to leave. Good points, all of them. Uh, let's get to Alabama because, uh, again, and I'm, I'm right there with you on this top, this AP poll. What a joke. You, you leave Texas at third and you put Georgia ahead of Alabama. You can't tell me that's not an orchestrated, uh, shot at the tide. But regardless of that, uh, Alabama came up short of its goal, but they did win the SEC. They did go nine and oh, whether people like it or not, did take Michigan to overtime. And, uh, you know, came within a whisker playing for the national championship. Kevin Steele, um, reportedly, uh, stepping down to retire, according to Chris Lowe, 66 years old, 40 years of coaching. Uh, so there'll be a defensive coordinator opening. Uh, there'll be some other staff openings. Of course, the portal has taken some players. Alabama's, uh, you know, recruiting the portal some to two and has another good recruiting class come in. Just, just Alabama football going forward, beginning with, you know, really it's one season at a time now. So Alabama football in 2024, uh, Drew, what's your projection? Well, I mean, I still think they're going to have one of the best rosters, if not the best roster in the country. Um, I, I'm not surprised by the changes on the staff. I thought Steele would stay at least one more year. Um, I thought when he signed a three-year deal, he'd probably be there too. Um, you know, I, I, and I thought it was telling when he didn't coach a position, he was an overseer. And, you know, people keep for kind of forgetting that Robert Ball is the inside linebackers coach. They brought him in. They still got to hire an outside linebackers coach and special teams. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be DJ Durkin. Uh, you know, it was reported last night that he was coming in for a quote unquote interview. Uh, but he's finished a tenure at Texas A&M as DC. Before that, he was at Ole Miss. He was under, he, he worked for Harbaugh at Michigan. So he's, uh, he, he's, he's worked at Florida. He's worked a lot of places. He's from the Saban tree. When he left Maryland, he was a consultant for Saban in the, during one of the playoff runs, Gary. Uh, so he's uh, he's been on campus. He's familiar with the program. Really good recruiter. Uh, really good developer of players. I think Traverius Robinson called the defenses for the majority of this season. Uh, I think he was being groomed to be the D.C. That's, uh, Saban has tried to hire Traverius Robinson many times. Now, I've, on my mentions on X, I keep hearing people tell me it's a bad move. He has no experience. Do they not remember that Traverius Robinson South was Carolina. the defensive coordinator in South Carolina for five years? Yes, he has experience. He's called defenses. What Will Muschamp does defensively is we're, we're, who did he coach under? Nick Saban. It's a the, the nomenclature, the the uh, the language is very similar. And I thought T. Rob did a good job this year with Steele. I think he and Durkin could be a, a very good tandem. And I think that's where it's leaning toward. Now, we'll see what happens. I still think there needs to be a change at defensive line. I don't think the D-line recruiting and coaching and development is good enough, but that's just me. Maybe Nick Saban may have a different opinion. Uh, now, and, and he still needs to hire a wide receivers coach. Uh, you still got Joe Cox, Robert Gillespie in place, Eric Wolford, uh, Tommy Reed. So the majority of the staff is still there, especially offensively. But I think, you know, I've heard there's still more changes coming. Maybe that's on defense. We'll see. Uh, Alabama improved this year, no doubt about it, but they weren't, they weren't Michigan. 
And, and again, they've got to improve their efficiency offensively. Maybe you bring in a wide receivers coach that can get more production out of that room. Uh, but I think Traverius Robinson is a key. He's very, very important because of the recruiting he's done. He's done a great job as a recruiter. He's, I think he can be a very good DC. Uh, and I think right now he's that linchpin. Plus, he's very, very tight with Ryan Williams and his father. And Ryan Williams is a must-have, Gary. He's a five-star talent. He is magical. And Alabama does not have a wide receiver like him on this team now. And he can be an impact player as a freshman that can help Alabama become more explosive offensively. Agree 100%. The saving factor, uh, what are you what are you seeing from him? And uh, I feel like he's in, is engaged if he, as he's ever been, if not more so. And, you know, quite frankly, in our business, we have to deal with it every day. But he's going he's gonna to stop coaching when he stops coaching. And that's just, you know, only he knows the answer to that. But I'm telling you, Drew, people that I talk to and, and, and just uh, watching the way this program is being conducted – I, I, you know, maybe some other people have slipped. Maybe some other people have gotten tired. Maybe some, yeah, but I don't see that from Nick Saban, Drew. Do you? No, not at all. He's not retiring. He's, I think he coaches another three to five years at least. Uh, his energy level's great. He looks great. Uh, he's on the Pat McAfee show for a reason. That's recruiting, uh, because he's on there every week. It's one of the most popular shows in the country. Whether it's positive or negative, it's in the headlines all the time. It, it was a calculated move, uh, and I think, you know, and the one thing that what we're seeing with this coaching staff, Nick Saban ain't satisfied. Alabama was, the, in my opinion, the second-best team in the country, Gary, but he's not satisfied. He's making changes. Uh, he's bringing in new blood on the staff. He's still recruiting very hard. They've still got some some things like the, the center position has got to be solved before next year. Looks like they're going to look at what they've got in the spring before, you know, addressing it potentially because, again, now, who knows, because the two teams that just played uh, in the national championship game, their portal window is still open, and that is Michigan, uh, of course, and Washington. But just about everybody else has, uh, you know, gone into the portal. They've made their decisions. And we saw Alabama do this a couple years ago. They went through spring, and then Eric Wolford, who had just arrived, told Saban, "Look, we need we need an experienced tackle. Tyler Steen is the best one. We got to go get him." And they went and got him. They're probably going to take a long look at, at James Brockermeyer. They're probably going to take a long uh, look at redshirt freshman Rock Montgomery. They may take a look at uh, these two freshmen, Casey Poe, uh, you know, and Joseph Iannata. And then they may just decide to address center after uh, spring. So we'll see. But I, I think. There's still some questions to be answered. I think a lot of them, are, you know, will 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 we'll get those answers. But the coaching staff and the personnel, uh, you know, uh, the coaching staff in the next in the coming days, probably some of the personnel questions won't be answered till after spring. I still think they have a lot of the answers on the team, but right now, probably the biggest question going into the spring is center, and then the continued development of Jalen Milrow, who came a million miles this year. Uh, but needs to make those. He needs to make two or three more crucial steps so he can be a high draft pick next year. Because I know he's got two years of eligibility, but I don't expect him to use them. I think I don't think he expects to. I think he's going into it with the chance to be a, a, a multi-year starter at Alabama at quarterback. He got into the playoff. He beat Georgia. Unlike I guess the AP voters, none of them watched the SEC championship game. I guess, but he did win the SEC. And so, and, and so he, his next step is, he's, he's on the radar now. 
Now you want to become a first-round uh, prospect. And the way to do that is Milrow's got to work on his mental game more, get better, uh, you know, with the mental part of it, the checks, uh, being able to, you know, take some some responsibility off the center, be able to get better at reading hot, be just get better from a mental standpoint because his athletic ability is off the charts. Now it's just you're now you have there's no replacement for experience when you've been through the fire for a year in the SEC. It means so much. He's now been through the fire. He's going to be experienced. And so now it's just about grinding in the film room, grinding on the practice field, getting on the same page with said center. And then if you do that, you got a chance to, you know, be a first round draft choice. Cause, you know, Gary, a lot of quarter, a lot of, uh, careers are timing. Well, he's come along in the NFL where dual threat quarterbacks and I, I mean, I think Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP. They are now a thing. Right. It's not about the drop back game. So Jalen Milrow came along at a good time, and he can make a very good living for himself if he just keeps working. Judy Arman with us uh, from Talking Ball, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Hey, I want to ask you about uh, Hugh Freeze's first season. Uh, I don't talk a ton of Auburn on here. I talk it usually on Friday with Brett Pritchard, but I want to get your take. Six and seven, really, from the Auburn fans I've talked to, the highlight of their season were close losses at home to uh, Georgia and, and uh, Alabama because that's what they put a lot of stock in. We could have won those games. It shows where we're headed and all this. Got blown out at home by New Mexico State. And then just an absolute no-show in the bowl game against Maryland. Maryland minus Talia Tangavaloa went with two young quarterbacks and 21 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, and then Freeze made the interesting comments that he didn't really prepare the team because he was busy recruiting and he wasn't comfortable with the game plan. Then he fires Philip Montgomery as offensive coordinator. Now he keeps Ron Roberts, who's the guy that came up with the brilliant idea to only rush two against Milrow in the Iron Bowl. But, uh, you know, then of course they get to fly under the radar because of Alabama. They're six and seven. But what did you see from Auburn and, and Hugh Freeze in that first season? Well, I mean, I do think that they, they played hard. Uh, I thought they competed. Uh, they certainly gave Georgia and Alabama everything they, they did. Could, they wanted, but I think that I don't think the staff chemistry was good. Um, I don't think Hugh did not like the fact that after he decided. I think when his first focus when he got to Auburn so much was on recruiting because the roster was not good. Right. So I think by the time the end of the season, though, Hugh is is a creature of habit. He wants to call his own plays. He made his bones being a play caller yeah, and an offensive mind. Just do it, Hugh. That's I mean, it's just like it's just like Gus Malzahn. Gus tried to give it up; he couldn't do it. So, you know, I think he's going to bring Derek Nix back, get the band back together. Nix was with him at Ole Miss. They're very familiar and comfortable with each other. He's comfortable with Hugh calling the plays. Hugh's going to call the plays. And then Ron Roberts, I don't think, from what I understand, that's why Wesley McGriff left to go to Texas A and M. He and Ron Roberts weren't on the same page defensively. Uh, now Ron Roberts has gone back to be with Billy Napier, who he knows very well. He was with that Louisiana. There should be better chemistry there. And I think, honestly, I think uh, in many ways, I wouldn't be surprised if Lane Kiffin's brother, Chris Kiffin, is the defensive coordinator at Auburn. Oh, wow. Because yeah. he, he was on the staff at Ole Miss, did a great job recruiting. Uh, he coached D-line, but he can also coach linebackers. He's on D'Amico's staff with the Houston Texans. And you know right now they can't announce anything because the Texans are in the playoffs. But I wouldn't be surprised if after the playoffs is over that Chris Kiffin is the defensive coordinator. Could be Zach Arnett, but I, I but again, I, I think 
I know you're a big music guy. You play <laughs> Rocket Man every time I come on. I said this to Brian Matthews on my show this morning because he's big into music. I love music. I brought up the old Billy Joel song, Matter of Trust. Uh-huh. That's what this is with you free. Yeah. He's going to go get some coaches that he trusts. Uh, I think Chris Kiffin, there's a very strong possibility he could be on that staff. And I'll tell you another staff departure uh, that Brian Matthews called 50-50, and I'd already been hearing is going to happen. I don't think Cornell Williams will be back. I think he will very likely be in the NFL. So, uh, you know, so he's probably going to move on uh, in the coming days as well. So I just think overall it's a time of transition for Auburn. Uh, but again, and then people want to talk about Traverius Robinson. I don't think he's going to Auburn. I think he's going to be the D.C. at Alabama. He's too important to Alabama's recruiting. And then, and, and, and Auburn has already hired Charles Kelly. They still have Zach Etheridge. They have secondary right. coaches. Yeah. And Traverius Robinson is not a linebacker guy. But what I've told people is when Nick Saban first got to Alabama, his, some of his D.C.'s, they were, I think Pruitt and Kirby, there were times they both were the defensive coordinator and secondary coach. So I think that's what's going to happen. And I think Alabama's going to keep Bala as inside backers coach. They're going to bring in somebody like Durkin to be the outside backers coach. And, and, and Durkin's also coached special teams. They wouldn't be surprised if Durkin's outside backers and special teams. And then, again, and then he and Traverius Robinson kind of collaborate with the defense because Durkin is very familiar with the, the defensive, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, scheme of Alabama. He's from the Saban tree, but Traverius is going to call the defenses, and I think he's going to do a good job, and I think he's going to keep recruiting his ass off. All right, Drew. Uh, time flies when we're having a conversation, but I do want to uh, uh, get your thoughts on Bama basketball. I, I, you know, I said, listen, you never apologize for winning on the road in this league, and, and so I want to be clear on that. It's a good win when you go into Memorial Gym and uh, Nate Oates is four and zero there against Vanderbilt. But I was disappointed. I, I, I thought that uh, you know you're up thirty three eighteen in the first half, and with more than ten minutes to go, and you only score seven points the rest of the half. Then you're up eleven with three or four to go, and you hang on. Um, I, you know, this this team. Is flawed a little bit, in my opinion. I, I, I think the issues that they had in December, they're going to be issues they're having in March. That's just the way I feel about it. But a good win. You get South Carolina at home tomorrow night. You can't overlook this team. They've only got one loss. They beat Mississippi State. What do you think of the matchup, or I should say tonight, 6 o'clock? What do you think of the matchup tonight? Well, it's an interesting one. Uh, Lamont Paris's team has uh, improved. Uh, I don't think their schedule's been the most difficult. They haven't really left the state of South Carolina, but they're capable. Uh, it's a game Alabama should win at home, though, with the schedule that they've played. Uh, they're, they're, with their first four games being, uh, you know, Vanderbilt on the road, South Carolina at home, uh, you know, Mississippi State on the road, and Missouri at home, Alabama needs to get off to a quick start in conference play because it's going to get a lot more difficult. Uh, this is a tough league. Uh, but Alabama played that schedule for a reason. I still think they're a developing team because, again, these guys are still, uh, you know, coming into their roles. Uh, I've seen a lot of growth already out of, uh, you know, uh, out of Sam Walters, out of Latrell Reitzel. Uh, I think he's started to get more comfortable in what he's doing. Uh, you know, I haven't seen as much of Davin Cosby lately. Probably has something to do with the defense uh, on that end of the court because, you know, like uh, Nate Oates was saying even yesterday, he wants to see guys compete. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to get these guys to buy in defensively, but there are, it's a bunch of new pieces, and that's one of the reasons that this is happening. But, you know, I hope that they, uh, continue to get a little bit more. They need more out of Estrada and, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I, you know, cause he got a little banged up too, but he needs to, he and, uh, Sears have got to cut down on the turnovers. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, without question, they have, 
got to cut down, uh, you know, on the turnovers, uh, no doubt. And then I just think they need more. They just need more. You know, they're not going to ever be a true inside team. They're going to play a lot of four and five out, but they need more on the glass and more. Uh, you know, uh, you know, inside they've got they've got to get more. Uh, I, I didn't think they finished well enough at the bucket against Vanderbilt, and that needs to be an emphasis uh, going into tonight. Great stuff, Drew. About thirty seconds. Uh, fill everybody in on where they can find you. Oh yeah, they can find me at Drew D nine seven seven ESPN. Also at nine seven seven ESPN uh, for our station account, uh, and they can uh, find all of our content at nine seven seven ESPN dot com and on SoundCloud. And we always appreciate uh, being on the Gary Harris Show on Time 109 on Tuesday. Appreciate it. Thank you, Drew. All right, 9.54, we'll take a break. We'll come back and wrap up this first hour right after this. Tune in to 2011. Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Rain ending this morning, cloudy, windy, and colder with temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s today. A clearing sky tonight below 32. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 48. And Thursday, the sky partially sunny, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Oh, my, you're home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 9.57, just back in time to wrap up this first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of making Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Find out more at alabamacu.com. Hour number two is coming up. The Titans report with uh, Kayla Anderson at 10.15. More of your phone calls. We're going to hear from Jim Harbaugh, who uh, talked about the national championship and said Michigan was innocent of the uh, Allegations, even though he took suspensions of the uh, cheating sign stealing scandal. So we'll hear from the Michigan head coach in the second hour as well. All that's coming up. Keep it dialed in. Another hour of the Gary Harris Show is on the way. Crispy Creek Low Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa. A town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Kevin Wired. The winningest program in college football history back at the top as Michigan demolishes Washington 34-13. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, 
each with over 100 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns as Michigan getting 303 yards on the ground. The Wolverines ending the year 15-0, and it's their first national title since 1997, the 12th overall the school has claimed. Michael Penix really struggling in this game. He just went 27-51 for 255 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. The Huskies have their 21-game winning streak snapped. John Morant will undergo season-ending surgery on his right shoulder. He suffered an injury during a training session. Pacers beat the Celtics 133-131, but Tyrese Halliburton carried off the court after a hamstring injury. He'll have an MRI later today. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. 76,000 Alabamians woke in the dark this morning due to storms overnight. More than 6,000 of them were here in Tuscaloosa County. Trees and power lines being down by high winds were the main culprit. Schools in Bibb, Green, Pickens, and Tuscaloosa counties were delayed opening this morning due to down trees and power lines. A wind advisory will remain in effect for West Alabama until 6 p.m. tonight. And polls are open until 6 p.m. in the Alabama House District 16th special election between Republican Northport Attorney Brian Brednark and Democrat Fayette County Commissioner John Underwood. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls and taking your phone calls this hour on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. This hour, the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by my friends Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law, Tuscaloosa and Northport. And uh, that's important. If you need a personal injury attorney, I think it's important to have guys that have their feet on the ground right here in West Alabama. You can meet with them in person, have a consultation, look them in the eyeball. And remember, if they take your case, there's never any money out of your pocket. They only collect if they collect for you. It's a win-win situation. If you're a, a victim of a personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, 18-wheeler accident, automobile accident, whatever legal questions you may have, call Paul at Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939 or find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, uh, wide open for phone calls in this uh, segment. If you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Justin, what do you think about the news of, you know, first Seth uh, McLaughlin going to Ohio State, now Quinshawn Junkins. Uh, Seth will be blocking for the former Ole Miss running back with the Buckeyes. I think it's going to be interesting, and they might be a contender next year. It just depends how their quarterback situation goes. Yeah, they got a good quarterback, but, you know, they're taking the kid from uh, Kansas State, who I was impressed with last year when Alabama played him in the Sugar Bowl. So I, I think they are a uh, – I think Ohio State's a lot like Alabama, Georgia. Talent level's high enough that really every year uh, they're a contender. They, you know, lost to Michigan, just like Alabama did, um, just like Washington did. So they were uh, – you know, they were – uh, unbeaten team going into that game and uh, they lost to the, the Wolverines but they're going to be really really talented and and Quinshawn Junkins is an outstanding back I mean you're talking about a downhill guy that's um, you know can run over you he can run around you he's a good receiver out of the backfield and uh, 
you know, is going to make them a, a even better team than they already are. So, and I think if you're Judkins, um, there's probably pretty good NIL money on the table there at Ohio State. In fact, I'm sure there is because he was getting good NIL money at, uh, um, at Ole Miss and you get to play at a high profile program for one year because you're probably going to the NFL draft next year. Do you think they're moving Seth McLaughlin to guard or they're going to try him at that center? My guess is they're probably going to try to try him at center. I, I think that Seth is better suited to play center other than his staff issues. You know, he's not, he's good size, but he's not the biggest guy. I, I think that, uh, you know, a new, a new, uh, atmosphere, you know, just a, a whole new program, a new offensive line coach, new way of doing things. I got to think that th- that those snapping issues can be fixed. And like I've said before, it's probably not all his fault. Some of it may be timing with Milrow. Some of it may be the way Alabama did the line calls. But he did have an issue with it, but a fresh start there. So my feeling is they're going to keep him at center. Now, again, I mean, he's still got to go in there, and I think he's going to be the starting center for Ohio State. But they got a lot of talented football players, just like Alabama does, just like Georgia does. So he's going to have to go in there and earn a spot. Since we're talking about Ohio State, Michigan's big rival there in, in the game up north, I have a, a question for you, Gary, about the, I guess, legitimacy of this national championship. Is there an asterisk? I don't think there it? is. Um, I've never been a big fan of asterisks. I mean. If they're eligible to play for the championship and they win the championship, uh, they're the national champions to me. And uh, and I don't know that the players had anything to do with that anyway. So, no, for me, there's no asterisk. Now, if somewhere along the line, you know, there's more stuff uncovered and, you know, the NCAA does something, that's out of my hands. But for me, no, there's no asterisk. They won it on the field. They earned it. You know, I get I – get, ticked when people say, oh, there should be an asterisk for Alabama's 2020 National Championship because it was a COVID year. Give me a break. In fact, that speaks to Saban's greatness of how well he navigated through all of that stuff. You know what I mean? As opposed to other coaches that couldn't. So, no, I'm not an asterisk guy. Listen, Justin, and you can can chime in. You may feel differently. Uh, He sat out his suspension. They were, did they play in the game? Did they play in the Big Ten Championship game? Did they play in the college football playoff semifinal? Did they play in the national championship game? Yeah. If something was going to be done, it should have been done before you let them play in the game. So after the fact, no. I, Michigan's a national champion for me. No, I'm, I I agree. I, I think um, regardless of whatever they got up to in the regular season, they came and played the best teams in the playoff. And I, actually, I won't say in the Big Ten Championship. I don't think Iowa no, was the best teams. But, but they uh, beat Ohio State. Yeah, they beat Ohio State. They beat us. They beat Washington. Yeah. So very deserving. But then you go back, would they have even been in the playoff if they weren't gaining some advantage? Yeah, I think they would have I think they would have been, Justin. In my opinion, I, I don't know how much of an edge they got. I don't think there's any doubt they were doing some stuff. but uh, And they didn't have the toughest schedule. But... I don't, you know, I, I think they were the best team. That, that, listen, that's just my two cents. I, you know, 15 and 0, you know, they didn't have a great schedule, but boy, when the games mattered the most, they, they handled their business, man. They handled their business. And to me, and again, you know, I'm not a, the biggest Harbaugh fan, but I think they're a great football team. You go 15 and 0, you beat in consecutive Games, uh, minus, like you said, the Big Ten Championship game, because Iowa's not, Iowa can't score on me. Uh, but you beat Ohio State, you beat Alabama, you beat Washington, and you go 15 and 0, you're the national champion, in my opinion, and I don't know that, I've talked to some coaches, I really don't know, I'm not saying what they did 
was it wrong? Because I think they did have a concerted effort to steal signs. There's no doubt about it. I don't know how much advantage that actually gives them in in the in the games. Clearly, it gives them some, or they wouldn't be trying to do it. But not enough for me to place an asterisk next to the to the uh, to the title. I think it was just regardless of how you know either of us feel on that. I think it was interesting how ESPN. I didn't watch the entire broadcast. I watched most of the second half. They seemed to avoid that or even mentioning you know of it. I think that storyline was with, as long with their success that Michigan has had. That was right there with them the whole entire mm-hmm. season. I, I thought it was interesting that ESPN decided to avoid it and avoid uh, any speculation. Yeah, I. Um, it is. That's that's interesting. The only thing I can figure is it's been talked about a lot. He sat out his suspension. I think if you're ESPN, you don't want to overshadow the game with that because at that point, to me, it is about the game. And and I'm gonna so I'm gonna defend ESPN on that. I don't you know listen. There's a lot of things they do, the way they approach stories and so forth that I'm not a fan of, but I'm not going to give them a hard time on, on this one. Just like, again, I, you know, Michigan won the championship on the field. They're the national champion. I wish it was Alabama, <laughs> but it's, it's Michigan and you get ready for 2024. Uh, all right. I tell you what, we are going to, um, uh, well, a couple more minutes here. I want to hit this break on time because I definitely want to, uh, Kayla's got to get off the air at 1030 and we got uh, the final Titans report coming up with her here at uh, 1015. So I'm probably going to cut out of this segment a little bit early. And then the final half hour, we will have uh, plenty of time for phone calls. And we're also going to get to some of that, uh, get to some of that Jim Harbaugh audio uh, from last night's game. And he did say Michigan was innocent, (laughs) you know, whatever that means. Again, in the world we live in, in college football, Everybody's trying to get an advantage. Everybody's going to try to get an edge. So, you know, when somebody says they're innocent, I don't know what that means. If somebody says they're guilty, I don't really know what that means. All I know is that you play the games on the field. And, again, for Michigan, uh, they earned the national championship on the field, and, and that's the way I view it. I agree with you. I think, to a point that we were just talking about, um, people lost their jobs over this scandal. So however much they want to brush over it, their linebackers coach no longer works at Michigan and neither does Connor Stallions because yeah, of it. Um, again, you know, and, and, and Harbaugh was suspended. What I'm saying is the NCAA had a chance to do something. They did what they did. Uh, so that's my point. I'm, I'm not saying they didn't cheat. I said that. I think they did. But they accepted the penalties that were handed out and they got to play in the games. My, my point is, if there's ever going to be someone that you're going to do something to somebody, don't let them play in the games. You know, don't let them come back and do it after the fact. You knew this was going on. So if they had said, hey, man, we've got we've got uh, enough. Uh, we've got enough problem uh, enough. Uh, hang on. I'm getting texted here trying to multitask. We've got enough evidence here to keep you out of the playoff. That would have been one thing, but they they played in the game. They won the national championship. All right, we need to get to a break, and uh, we will come back with our friends at uh, up in Nashville. Kayla Anderson will be with us here on the Tennessee Titans Report. So we'll have that next right here on the Gary Harris Show. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Rain ending this morning, cloudy, windy, and colder with temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s today. A clearing sky tonight, the low 32. Tomorrow's sunny with a high at 48. And Thursday, the sky partially sunny, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Eli Gold, Chris Stewart, and Roger Hoover live right here. Tide 100.9 is a proud partner of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show, and it's time for our final Tennessee Titans report for the 2023 season. I know it's 2024, but it's 2023 season. Kayla Anderson from Ramon, Kayla, and Will in Nashville is uh, joining us to recap it and kind of put it to bed for the Tennessee Titans. Good morning, Kayla. Hey, good morning, y'all. Hope you're having a good one. Yeah, thank you. Well, I tell you what. Tennessee Titans did not make the playoffs, obviously, far from it. But a little bit of satisfaction and uh, what happened on Sunday, knocking out the team that uh, kept them out of the playoffs a year ago. And I know uh, a lot of Alabama fans are, are happy because with the win by the Titans, it allowed D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans to win the division and to go in as a division champion. So um wasn't a great year, but on Sunday, it was a good day, a good game at home. Derrick Henry had a big game, over 150 yards rushing and a touchdown. So if it's his final game as a Titan, he goes out in style and uh, at least uh, something positive to end the season on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't think you could have, in a season that has been down um i don't think as a fan you could have asked for a better ending and more so for the fact because i think a lot of people think this is uh the the last time that or was the last time they saw derrick henry in a titans uniform so why not a lot of the success uh with sunday's game revolve around him and and it certainly did and even so i would even add ryan Tannehill into that because look despite the thoughts on Ryan Tannehill overall, when you look at uh, the, the time that he had here, there, there are a lot of positives, and a lot of that happened when Tannehill and Derrick Henry were on the field together. That's when they found the most success with this franchise in the past several years. So I think it was special for not only Derrick Henry to, to go out like that, but also for Ryan Tannehill to have a pretty good game as well. And it looks and felt like this was a team, you know, from when they were having success in 2019 and, you know, 2020. So it, it was a very weird day because nobody expected that. But it was almost like they played, like, with nothing on their shoulders, right? right? And they played a little bit more free. That's, that's what we got out of it, talking with the guys after the game. But even sweeter is the fact that they bounced the Jags from playoffs and from winning the division, and that is exactly what the Jags did to this team last year. That's sweet revenge for so many of these guys that were on that team. Yeah, as you know, Caleb, covering the NFL, it's all about windows, other than the rare franchises who have sustained success over time. It's usually about windows, and Tennessee had a window. And what's disappointing is... 
they had a couple Super Bowl caliber teams and they didn't make it. And that'll sting because now as you go through a rebuild and, and, uh, you know, Tannehill and Henry probably moving on, uh, you'll look back at, at that two or three year window that the, that the Titans had and not being able to get it done, um, is disappointing. It is. And I think that's a big reason why fans are so upset at this point um, because they did see that window open and now it seems like you're kind of on the opposite side of things um, where you're rebuilding and now could be rebuilding even more because Mike Vrabel might not be back as a head coach so you're trying to find then a brand new head coach, a brand new staff to work with the, the bigger pieces you have right now in quarterback Will Levis with Jeffrey Simmons and but also then having to go out and really fix this roster. So I think that you go back and look at it, and, yeah, there was a window. Unfortunately, things didn't align, and now you're you're back to square one. So what's your feeling on Vrabel, uh, you know, covering the team? Do you think uh, you think he's back, or do you think he's coaching somewhere else <laughs> next season? Yeah, well, when you were to ask me this even a week ago, I was saying – most of this was hearsay because most of it was coming from the Boston media, who I feel really wants Mike Vrabel right. there. Um, I feel like Robert Kraft has even put that out to the media, the narrative, you know, that they want Mike Vrabel. I think that's the guy that they're targeting. And the more and more the national media became involved in some of the stuff I was hearing, even in the game on Sunday, um, that Miss Amy kind of had her ma- mind made up, uh, even going into Sunday to move on from Mike Vrabel, I feel like now there's a better chance that he's gone. And I think the longer that we see this drawn out, I think it's inevitable that he is not here this season, this next season, because if anything, I think they're working out a deal, some wow. sort of a trade. I don't see them firing him if they know they can get something for him because whether or not the fans value him here, I still think he's a good coach, and that's nationally what he's looked at being. is a good coach that's probably a hot commodity for a lot of NFL owners and GMs to bring him on board. I agree. <laughs> and for Derek Henry, Kayla, and I'll talk a little bit longer here and try to give you a chance to get your, your cough cleared. Um it certainly felt like that was his final game. And like I said, 19 carries, 153 yards and a touchdown. It would have even, you know, been better at the end of the game there. He took some negative, uh, yards on carries with, uh, the fact that Jacksonville was just trying to, you know, rush the line of scrimmage, but still a heck of a game. But he spoke to the crowd afterwards and, you know, never say never when he comes to the NFL, but it certainly felt like that was, that was the swan song, didn't it? Yeah, and I think when you look at that in a positive way, at least he got to say goodbye to the fans if this is indeed the case. At least he got to thank them for, um, you know, supporting him throughout the last eight seasons here. And at least the fans got to hear that from him because that doesn't happen all the time. Actually, more so than not, these players don't get to say that. And not only did he have a big game, he was able to kind of have his final farewell with fans. Um, Eddie George didn't get that, right? And right. he was a very beloved back sure. here. So I think it was it was smart for Derrick Henry to do that, even if he doesn't know for sure right now if he'll be back. You might as well do that 
and at least say, hey, at least I felt like I got to thank the fans here, right? And they got to hear from me. And I do think it was always, and if he has a chance to come back, is still a goal. He said to win a Super Bowl here, that was the first goal for him. And if he can do it here, I think he's certainly going to want to go somewhere and get a Super Bowl because he deserves that. He's worked hard to try to get to that spot. He, come, he came up short with this team, obviously. But if they can't bring him back, he's going to go somewhere where he feels like he can help a, a team get it done. Yeah, yeah. Be interesting if Rabel leaves to see if he might wind up with, with Rabel again. All right, if Rabel does right. uh, go, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry, Kayla. No, that's exactly right, though. We even talked about today what – what what were the chances maybe that he ends up if Rabel leaves? Yeah, that would be that would be a good story. If Rabel does move on, and it appears that might be happening, uh, where do you think Tennessee turns for a new head coach? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions swirling around that, and that's something that they've got to figure out sooner than later. I mean, I, I look at. Ben Johnson up there with the Detroit Lions and think he's a name. He's a young, hot, offensive-minded coach. Um, I think that's where you have to start, Gary, because, look, right now, if they're going to part ways with Mike Rabel, whether that be his decision or Amy's decision, the fact of the matter is you can't continue to go with the same type of coach, right. the same defensive-minded type of coach. I think you have to go – with an offensive-minded coach, I think Bobby Slovak, uh, Slovak, excuse me, uh, in Houston is a name that you got to look out for because he was connected with Rand Carthon in uh, when he was in San Francisco. So I think that's another one you have to keep track of. It's probably going to be a guy that Rand maybe has a connection with because now if Rabel's gone, Rand's the next kind of head guy who has a say in all of this. Mm-hmm. And he's only been here one season. Wow. Yeah, just uh, interesting times for the, the Tennessee Titans. Fan base-wise, it, it was, like I said, it was a special Sunday uh, for that game against the Jags. There's no doubt about that. This is a, you know, appears to be a pretty loyal fan base. Um, do you think they're excited about the future or they're looking at it like, well, next year we're going to stink? <laughs> you know, what, what? what's kind of the, the how the fans feeling about it? Honestly, I think right now they're just, trying to figure out what the heck is going on mm-hmm. because the amount of rumors, the amount of of stuff that is going on in terms of what is happening for sure here, I think people are frustrated. Like if you're if you're moving on from Brable, then just let us know. I mean that's that's the tone I get. I think people are more out on Brable at this point just because of all this extra drama that has unfolded um, than in. And I think it's it's not so much not so much excitement for the future because I think there's a lot of work to be done. And even if you bring in a head coach, there's no guarantees that he's going to help you get it done in a year. If anything, I think it might take a little bit longer to build a team when you have a brand-new head coach, a brand-new offensive staff. And what makes you think that that head coach is going to be okay with Will Levis being the quarterback? And if that doesn't work out, then they're going to be back in a boat of finding a quarterback. So this is definitely a trickle effect. I think fans are really uneasy now with what the future is of this franchise. Yeah, and uh, you can't you can't really uh, 
you can't really blame them. All right, well, we're wrapping it up for the season, Kayla. I certainly appreciate uh, your time all season long. I guess I can ask you one final question because you don't know right now who the coach is going to be. Uh, where do you think the Titans, uh, they seem to have their quarterback in Levis. Where do you think the Titans, yeah. uh, you know, what what do you think they'll look to do in the draft? And I know a lot of that have to do with who the coach is. Yeah, I mean, and it depends. If they if they do trade for Mike Rabel, they could possibly, if it was with New England, and I don't know if New England would give up their third overall pick, but I, I know Amy Adams-Strunk, if it is a trade, is going to try to get the most she can out of Mike Rabel or out of that trade in New England. And look, Mike Rabel could be okay and Kraft could be okay with picking up one of these guys is on the market this next season, right? Uh, Justin Fields, one of these, these veteran quarterbacks, rather than draft it. That's, that's tough that they would give up an over, overall free pick, but it could happen. So I think that if you get that, then, hey, you could take a Marvin Harrison Jr., and then at seven you can take a Joe Alt, and that would be huge, right, because you're, you're building for the mm-hmm. future. But if you stick with what you have and you just have that seventh rounder uh, or that seventh overall pick, you're going to have to, in my opinion, you got to go with the O the O line first. You have to. It, it's got to be a situation. They're going to blow up most of this offensive line. There's not going to be many guys that are back, and the guys that are back, they're more developmental. So you need something in terms of homegrown moving forward with this line. You've got to draft like a Joe Alt if he's there. Sounds good. And uh, Kayla, of course, uh, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, weekday mornings on 104.5 The Zone. You're on X and uh, different ways that people can uh, can follow you. Go ahead and uh, give out a little more info before we turn you loose. Yeah, at Ramon, Kayla, and Will is the show every morning. You can find that uh, on any podcast where you get your podcast. And then at Kayla Anderson TV, always busy no matter if it's the – in season or off season, uh, I've got you covered there. And hey, we'll be following Derrick Henry wherever he goes as well. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Kayla. Been a great year. Thanks, Gary. Y'all take care. Thank you so much. All right, Kayla Anderson with us. It's ten twenty nine here on the Gary Harris Show. And um, hey, listen, uh, T Town Menswear, T Town Gallery, and the University Mall. Uh, all that incredible menswear. And also want to mention to you that I gave away a print on social media uh, following Alabama and. Uh, Michigan score predictions. I just entered everybody into a drawing and, and, uh, Tim Davidson wound up being our winner. But the fourth and Milrow print that we gave away by, uh, Greg Gamble, which is absolutely beautiful. You can see it on, on my Facebook page. You can get that print at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall. It is absolutely ready to be framed. It is, uh, it's the story of really Alabama season because we were disappointed in losing to Michigan. But if Alabama doesn't, uh, Make that fourth and go at the 31 yard line with Milrow to Isaiah Bond on the Gravedigger play. There is no, there is no college football playoff semifinal game. Yeah, you still would have had a chance to win the SEC championship, but even if you'd won that game, you'd had two losses. So that's the season in a nutshell. It's the win over your rival. It's the four straight win over Auburn. That print is available. T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Stop by and see it. All right. We'll be back with, uh, more of the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get to that Jim Harbaugh audio uh, following the National Championship game. And he did say that uh, Michigan was innocent. And uh, we'll take some more of your phone calls as well. 205-342-9904 is the number on the first on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. We're back after this. Covering University of Alabama sports as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show. Only on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
right, 1033, 27 minutes in front of the hour of 11 o'clock. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're on top 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Gary Harris, Justin Jones. We can take your phone calls on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Right now, we're going to get to Jim Harbaugh, uh, the national championship winning coach. Will he be in the NFL next year? Will he be back in Michigan? We don't know for sure, but we do know this. Michigan is 15-0. and They won the national championship, and Jim Harbaugh met with the media following uh, the victory last night out at NRG Stadium in Houston. Congratulations. You know, you could go 15-0, and 0, run the table, easily win every game. You'd be elated right now, no matter what happened. I'm trying to ask you, this was not a season where everything went the way you wanted it to. There were some the off-the-field issues, which we all know about. Can you talk about the satisfaction having overcome those as well to get to this point? Does it make it even sweeter? All right. Can I? Can I? Yeah, it, it, it couldn't have gone better. It went exactly how we wanted it to go. Uh, to win every game, uh, the off off the field issues were innocent, and, and we stood we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. And I just like to point that out. And these guys, these guys are innocent, and yeah, overcome that. Um, it wasn't that hard because we we knew we were innocent. So, um, yeah, that's uh, really what I want to say. It went exactly how we wanted it to go. It went exactly how we wanted it to go. Yeah. I would just say the, the culture that Coach Harbaugh, Coach Herb, and all those guys instilling us, I mean, the distractions were built to last <clears throat> no matter what the outside circumstances. So that's just what we're all about. Second row, Bill. And lastly, I, I just want to also point out um, nothing fancy here. There was no uh, nothing nothing surprising. It was just good old-fashioned teamwork, good old-fashioned hard work mm-hmm. uh, by these players and these coaches. And none of us are up here taking a deep, long bow because we know this was a this was good old-fashioned teamwork. Bunch of blue-collar guys. All right, that's um, a little bit of Harbaugh and a couple of players. You did hear him say there that he's uh, that Michigan's innocent, as Justin pointed out earlier. Uh, you know, uh, people lost their jobs over the sign stealing scandal. He was suspended, but you know, if you want to say that you're innocent, then you know, obviously he has the prerogative to say that. Maybe he really believes that. I don't know. As I said, I think they're the national champion. I don't think there's an asterisk. Um, so. You know, it was a strange year, but that was the best Michigan team maybe of all time. And when you think about the fact that for all their history and all their tradition, thousand wins, um, though only two national championships in the pole era, 1948 and 1997. And this is a undisputed college football playoff national championship in the final year of the 14 playoff, 15 and 0. So like I said, I think you can make an argument. This is the best Michigan team that has ever, uh, you know, got out on the field and uh, they accomplished a lot and did deal with the distraction. And I, that's one thing I said about Harbaugh last week. I said, whatever issues they've got, I don't think, I think the team is insulated from it. I, I, I do think the guy's a fabulous coach. I think he's one of the best coaches in the world. And now he's got a national championship. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's won an NFC championship with the 49ers. But I still think he's peculiar. I still think he's difficult to like. 
I will say this. I like him more this week. I thought we saw more of his personality. I don't know what the deal was with the Rose Bowl. He seemed that usual quirky, weird, not saying much. He was a little more animated this week. Uh, maybe a lot of it had to do with getting past Alabama. Maybe he realized, hey, we just slayed Nick Saban and the Bama Dragon. And, um, you know, we're ready for this Washington team. I, I think he was confident all the way. But I think he was particularly confident against this team. I, you know, listening to the pregame interviews, watching them yesterday before the game, you know, I just felt like Jim Harbaugh felt like, hey, man, we're better than this team. All we got to do is just go out and do what we do and we'll win the game. And it could have very easily been over in the first half. Again, give Washington credit, much like Alabama hung in against them in the first half. Washington got this thing down. It's easy to forget it was 17 to 10. But I tell you what. Justin, the key, you know, the opening possession of the third quarter, you've got, you've got it within 17 to 10, you get the ball and you throw an interception. And that goes to 20 to 10. I know they held him to a field goal, but still that's, you know, a two score margin. Then the big, the second biggest play, obviously, I think at the time it was 20 to 13. It might have even been 27 to 13 then. It, it might have been after Michigan took a two touchdown lead, but regardless, there was still time and, Washington hits the big pass play, and they called a hold on the right tackle. So you would have had, I think it might have even been first and goal, but it would have been first down deep in Michigan territory, and it might have been a 40-something yard penalty. It would have been one of the biggest throw of the day so far. I mm-hmm. think I heard a stat watching the game where it might have been the first game where Washington hasn't had a pass of 20 or more yards in the first half. And, I mean, we saw that. I think eventually they'd... I'm getting my time messed up here, but before or right after that play, though, they did go and, and score, still kept it close up until the very end, till till Michigan started to pull away. So it was definitely a battle of, of best on best, and I think Washington deserved to be there. As much as we're talking about where Jim Harbaugh is going to go, I think there's as many questions about Kalen DeBoer because he might be the most sought-after coach other than Jim Harbaugh this year with what he's done at Washington. Yeah, but I I will say I don't see him leaving. Yeah, unless it's an NFL opportunity. I don't know that there's a college job right now that's open that he'd want to leave Washington for. Um, I mean, that's only his third loss in two years there. And he, uh, you know, he's built them in. And, you know, he's from South Dakota, I think it is. Um, He's kind of a, you know, a small college guy. And I'm going to pull up his resume here. But he uh, he played at a really small school and started his coaching career there. Uh, yeah, Sioux Falls is um, where he played and started his coaching career. And he stayed in the small college ranks really up until – this is how quickly you can elevate yourself now. In 2016, he was still the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Eastern Michigan. Then he took the Fresno State job as the – Offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Then he took the Indiana job for one year. So 2019, he was still an assistant coach. And then he got the Fresno job, had two good years there. And now, you know, he's, he's the Washington job. But even, um, like I said, just five years ago, six years ago, he was still at Fresno State as a assistant 
which is a nice school, but it's not Power Five. And then one year at Indiana. But his overall coaching record, of course, a lot of this was when he was head coach at Sioux Falls and he won three NAIA national championships. His head coaching record is 104 and 12, which is absolutely phenomenal. So I agree with you. He's a sought after coach, but Washington's going into the Big Ten. Obviously, he's comfortable there. It would take a, it would take a special job, I think, to lure him away. And, uh, and I don't know. He's never coached a down in the NFL. At any level. Now, never been an analyst, never been an assistant coach. And we've seen successful college coaches try to make that jump. You know, Jim Harbaugh is different. I mean, obviously, he played in the NFL, coached in the NFL, took a team to a Super Bowl. So going to the NFL is just a natural, you know, move for him if he wants to go back. For DeBoer, uh, it would be totally foreign, totally alien to everything that he knows. And college jobs... Justin, I mean, right now, I mean, I don't see a job that he ha- would be interested in or a job that's better than what he's got. So um, I think he's done a phenomenal job. I think he's a terrific coach. I just don't see him leaving Washington right now. Now, next year, you know, if, if a marquee job opens up somewhere, maybe so. You know, if down the road, heck, man, if Alabama opens up, you know, maybe that's something that, that Kalen DeBoer would look at. From the standpoint of, you know, taking it to the, to the next level. And, you know, Penix, you got to remember too, how old is he? 25 years old. He's another one of these guys that's, that's, you know, been around the block a few times. I mean, we got a lot of players now in college football that used to, if you had a 23 or 24 year old player in college football, it was very, very unusual. Now they've, we got guys 25, 26 years old. In fact, uh, Penix, now he's 23. He'll turn 24 in May. So, but we got guys playing college football now that are, you know, 24, 25, 26 years old. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a strange time. All right. It's 1044. We're going to take our final time out on the program. And, uh, when we come back, we're wide open for phone calls. I mean, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. I know the national championship's over now, but if you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Also, Alabama basketball tonight, six o'clock at Coleman Coliseum, Crimson Tide taking on South Carolina in the SEC home opener. Uh, we may have time to squeeze in some Nate Oates audio for you in this final segment. The uh, Alabama head coach talked to the media yesterday. And uh, we'll do that when we come back right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and Free Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and free vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. This is a special... Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Rain ending this morning, cloudy, windy, and colder with temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s today. A clearing sky tonight below 32. Tomorrow sunny with a high at 48. And Thursday, the sky partially sunny, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow Tide 100.9 on Facebook today to watch our live shows. Read the great articles and interact with Bama fans today.
47 here on the Gary Harris Show. Alabama basketball tonight, 6 o'clock on a Tuesday. Not an ideal tip time. Uh, we'll have the game for you here on Tide 109 FM and also on the Bear 95.3 The Bear. And I don't know, with the pregame show, with Fowler's show, Justin, do you have any idea what we'll be doing with uh, how that's going to work? I'm not sure. Um, I do know that I think on the next show, on the Miller's Edge coming up, we actually might have the South Carolina head coach um, for his perspective. Okay. Have you been able to get that Nate Oates audio? I do. I think I have it. All right. Let's hear from Nate Oates yesterday as he previewed South Carolina and looked back at Vanderbilt. First home game in uh, SEC play against a tough team. I mean, South Carolina's only lost one game. You know, they beat a good Mississippi State team. They're, they're playing well. Um you know, they, they took a lot of transfers, and so they're experienced. You know, Clark Cooper, B.J. Mack, Miles Stute, and we called on a couple of them. So, you know, I, I think it goes without being said that experience helps you win games in college basketball, and they're, they're a really experienced group. So, And they've got some scoring. I mean, Michi Johnson, who was a transfer uh, before that, uh, we recruited him a little bit when he was up a uh, high school player in Ohio, but... You know, him and Mark are two of the top three scorers in the SEC, so they've got tough guard play. We're going to have to do a great job defensively. You know, and this is South Carolina's really good defensive team. I mean, they play a lot slower than we do. Their offense is efficient. Their defense is is, is very good. Uh, I think they're top 20 in the country in scoring defense, you know, holding teams down. So we're going to want to get it up and down. They're going to want to slow it down. You know, we're going to have to do a good job maybe playing with less possessions with how much they score down and being super efficient in the possessions we get and then we got to do a great job on defense but you know we, we were fortunate enough to escape with a win against Vanderbilt we're going to have to play a lot better moving forward to get wins in this league I think you saw it first weekend there's some teams playing some really good basketball in this league and we we didn't play particularly well but we were fortunate enough to get the win we're going to have to play a lot better here tomorrow night yeah, hey, Coach, you mentioned this being the, the first SEC home game. Looks like you guys had a pretty strong Alabama contingent in Nashville. And just what are you hoping to see from the, the crowd uh, tomorrow night? Yeah, I hope we get a lot of students. I know the uh, first class is Wednesday, so I think it's perfect. They can get in. Uh, they got in this weekend or today or tomorrow. Get a uh, good basketball game under their belt before they go to class Wednesday morning. But it would be great to see the student section pack. It would be great to have a sellout. For our first home SEC game, we've, you know, it's been a couple of years since we lost uh, an SEC game at home, so we, we didn't lose one last year. So we, we need everybody to come out and just get the energy in the building so our players play a little harder. Our, our players hopefully will be playing with max effort and giving the uh, fans a show that they deserve to see when they come to watch us play. Yeah, uh, Meech Johnson, you talked about him, but uh, I think he's top 75 in the country and, and fouls drawn for 40 minutes. I mean, what, what stands out about his ability to draw fouls? Yeah, I mean, he's great with his shot fakes. He draws fouls on three, shot fake, get a guy up, go into him, you know, and he, he drives the ball with some force. I mean, he's, you know, Sears maybe drives it a little bit with some more physicality, but Meechie's probably a little better at getting guys up in the air on jumpers like long twos, threes. And we, our guys got to be disciplined on not buying shot fakes. And we, we've had an issue with that in the past. So we've got to be 
very cognizant of the fact that he's going to shot fake a lot and try to draw fouls and then drive with some physicality and kind of push his way in there. So we got to do a good job of keeping our hands off, not putting our hands in and letting him collect fouls. First, congratulations on your Packers getting in the playoffs. But secondly, uh, more importantly, on Saturday you talked about uh, you talked about the competitive spirit and, and basically coaching competitive spirit. In what ways are you uh, working or simulating comp- uh, that in practice? Yeah, I mean, we our practices are all competitive. I made the point to the guys today last year when we get done with practice. You know, Clowney would always go over to the uh, board and we track blue collar points in practice, and he was, you know, wanted to be the winning the blue collar points every single day in practice and then they got other guys competitive so then Pringles competing with them like like I, we got to get a little bit more of that this year like we need some guys that want to really compete you know be the hardest playing guy on the floor every time they're out there I think Estrada was Estrada crushed everybody today with the blue collar points in practice but you know we need some guys that really praise other guys effort plays and then want to get everybody's effort plays going up with a blue collar plays screen assist just stuff that that makes the team better that's not necessarily scoring we need everybody to start recognize it more want to do it more be a great teammate just things like that we're trying to emphasize you guys have had such a tough schedule but is there still an acclimation period with so many newcomers coming into the sec or do you guys kind of already handle that Man, I, it's a good question. I would think by this point in the year we should be acclimated to playing with each other. But, you know, sometimes it looks like maybe we're not. Now, we've also had, you know, we had a lot of injuries in the summer and the off season. Guys weren't healthy. And, we, you know, we still got – we haven't had a lot of injuries where guys are missing games. We've got guys missing some practices. So, I, I now I'll say the new guys don't know what SEC play is all about either. There's – going to be an acclimation period like these conference games are tough games like Vanderbilt you know according to the net or Ken Palm or whatever analytics sites you go to was the worst team in our league that's not an easy place to get a win I mean Stackhouse is a good coach and they run good stuff I think our guys realize that you know we jumped on them early up 18 with 10 minutes to go in the first half and guys thought it was going to be a a breeze and it ends up coming all the way down to the last possession of the game and it, it, it's not a breeze so no games whether they're home on the road I mean you saw it with Arkansas has been one of the better teams in our league since I've gotten this league and you know they're at home and t- took a big out the, 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 the conference games are tough games no matter who you play whether they're at home or on the road I mean you look at LSU Texas A&M another one that so our guys got to figure that out there's no there's no easy games whether it's a home game, road game, you know, we made it look easy last year at times, but it's that's not the way it, it typically is. It's, you know, our guys got to get a little bit more killer instinct and they got to understand that every possession is going to be a tough possession. And as soon as they let their foot off the gas, other teams going to make a run. And that's what happened to us Saturday. You basically just hit on this, but do you feel like Saturday was kind of a wake-up call for the new guys that haven't played in the SEC, like about how tough the league is? Yeah, I hope it's a wake-up call for everybody, including the returners, because we all contributed to that uh, collapse after, you know, we get up 33 to 15, we're up 18, and, you know, we're, we're humming, humming along pretty well in the first 10 minutes, and then ball quit moving. Guys got a little bit selfish with it, in my opinion. We didn't score in the last four minutes of the half. 
you know, we started driving it into double teams and tight quarters and turning it over. Our 16 turnovers hurt our defense and our offense both. So I hope it's a wake-up call for everybody that you have to keep playing the right way no matter what the score is because stuff can flip in a hurry. You guys have a common opponent in Clemson. Just what did you see from watching tape that South Carolina did well and maybe didn't do well against them? Yeah, I, they uh, Clemson beat us by, I think, eight here, and they only beat South Carolina by five, I believe. It was at Clemson, too. So, uh, I, you know, we, we play differently, so it's hard to get too much from it. But, I, you know, it is the one common one, so you want to see what you can get out of it. I, they, they'll post up a lot more than we will. South Carolina will. They obviously play a lot slower. You can see that. They they do want to take a lot of threes. You know, we didn't do a great job uh, with P.J. Hall in the post. So we're going to have to do a lot better job with P.J. Mack in the post than we did with P.J. Hall. I think we've gotten a better plan knowing our personnel since then. We've also gotten a little tougher, hopefully. We also got to do a better job running them off the three-point line. I felt like we let, like a Joe Girard get off, you know, particularly in the second half of that game where we, we meet you, Johnson's not going to be able to just come off ball screens and hit jumpers or we're going to be in trouble like Joe Girard did. So I think, you know, we got to do a better job making sure the other team's best players aren't the ones beating us. So we, we didn't do a good job of that, that against Clemson. Like their better players came out and, you know, got better than their average and they beat us. Like we got to keep Michi Johnson, B.J. Mack, Cooper, those guys, we got to do Stute. Stute can really shoot it. We got to make sure. Just come on back. Uh, you know, he's never going to wrap up that point. All right, we're out of time here on the Gary Harris Show. That's Nate Oates, Alabama head basketball coach from yesterday, the Tide and the Gamecocks tonight at 6 o'clock at Coleman Coliseum. All right, a reminder, catch me on TV tonight with your local sports and with Rodney Orr on Tider Insider TV at 6.30 on WVUA 23. Back here tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Miller's Edge is coming up next at 11 a.m. Have a great day, everybody. Listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.